This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's guidance and provision. And so if you want to follow along in your Bibles, or if later you want to look back at this and say, okay, let me kind of just dig a little deeper into the stories that he's talking about, uh, I'm going to be covering um, the book of Exodus chapter 13 through chapter 18. So I'm covering five chapters worth of stories today, and uh, I'm just going to kind of give you the, the Cliff's Notes version of these stories. So if you want to look them up and fact check and make sure that I'm not making this stuff up, uh, you can find them in the book of Exodus chapters 13 through 18. But I know that in my life, I have felt God's guidance and God's provision. And, and sometimes it's super wild. And some of you are kind of nodding your heads like, yeah, me too. I've experienced that as well. You know, in conversations, there's been times where I have felt God's guidance so heavy in my conversations, it's incredible. I'll, I'll, I'll be, uh, you know, counseling someone or talking with someone and, and they're sharing some hurts with me or whatever and I'm trying to, you know, encourage or whatever. And they'll like ask me something or they'll like drop a bomb in our conversation and I'm like, ah, okay. And I have no idea how I'm going to respond, how I'm going to relate, how I'm going to whatever. And then I'll kind of open my mouth and it'll just kind of, the conversation will happen. And then on the other side of the conversation, I'll be like, dang, that was awesome. I said some awesome stuff. But knowing that that wasn't like, I, I wasn't thinking of this super awesome stuff. I felt the guidance of the Holy Spirit in my life kind of guiding me through that conversation. And I, I walk away from those experiences and I'm like, man, that there was, there was supernatural all over that because that was not me. I could have not have kind of placed this, this, that, and the other together to make them, to give them what they needed in that moment. And many of you have probably had instances like this as well. I know, I know uh, growing up, um, I had a lot of provision from God. You know, there's a lot of provision offered in my life from God. You can talk to my, my dad after church and he can tell you story after story after story where we had no food or no money or we needed clothes, we needed this, that, and the other. Someone would show up with groceries or someone would show up and take us, you know, with school clothes or whatever the case may be and it ne- we got exactly what we needed through this provision. You know, I feel God's direction and guidance when it's time for me to make decisions. Oftentimes I seek God before any big decision that I have to make. And, and, and you know, we, we find ourselves at these forks in the road where it's like, should I go this way? Should I go that way? Should I take this job? Should I take that job? Should I move to this city or that city? Should I whatever, whatever? And when I come to those situations, I always pray. I say, God, I, I pray for God to open and close doors and for God to give me peace and rest in the direction that he wants me to go. And oftentimes when I see God in that, I feel peace and rest in one of the two options. And I feel like, okay, well, this is obviously where God is taking me. And this is where God is leading me. And so I feel his guidance in those things. I feel God's provision time and time again in my life. And, and the main one that I felt like I could talk about this morning is financially. I feel like I have had God's provision financially so many times in my life where God has provided. I don't know if you know this, but if you're looking um, for like a high roller status job, ministry is not that job. Okay, I don't know if you know this or not. I know some of the TV preachers can get it twisted and make you think that. But the reality is, you know, this is not like a high roller's job. But God has always taken care of me and my family. And it's incredible. You know, if we need, if, if, if we're in need or we're short some money here or there, it's not that God like drops money in my lap or anything. He gives me these opportunities to work 
He gives me these opportunities that, hey, come work with me for a day or two, and it's the exact amount of money that we're short, that we need, and so we're able to hustle and make that happen, and I feel like that's God's provision in our life. I know my wife and I, um, in our early marriage, there was a point in our life where I believe that 99.9% of the things that we owned came from the thrift store. And now it's, it's a little different. It's, my kids are growing so rapidly, so now it's probably about 80% of the stuff I own is from the thrift store. But the thrift store has been, I believe, I know you're going to look at me like I'm crazy, but I believe God has used the thrift store in such a major way for our family in God's provision. I'm not, I know you're laughing, but I'm not kidding. Listen, we will be talking and having conversation and be like, babe, you know, we really need this. Like our kid really needs a coat or we really need like Jude needs a pair of shoes, blah, 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 whatever's going on. And then we will go to the thrift store and I kid you not, I believe that the Holy Spirit dwells at the thrift store at 16 in Gratiot. It's called Community Thrift. And so if you need something, pray to God and then go there, okay? It's not, that's not biblical and that's not fact, but it's happened in my life many, many times. We need a couch, boom, brand new couch there, boom, brand new shoes, brand new this, that, and the other. And we're like, poof, mind blown consistently at the provision of God and how he's provided and afforded us to be able to pursue a life of ministry and, and to be able to do this stuff. And so it's been really, really cool to see God's guidance and provision in my own life. And I'm sure many of you have similar stories, you know, where you're praying and then something happens and you're like, whoa, this is amazing. You have those, those moments where you're like, man, God provides. Maybe, you've, maybe God's guidance has seen you through many stormy seasons in your life, you know? Some of you are probably still shocked that you made it through college, right? You look back and you're like, how did I make that through that time of my life? That's God's guidance, okay? That's God's provision for you. Some of you don't want to admit it because you're in church and you feel guilty, but it's the truth. Uh, You know, maybe God's provision has seen you through many, many stormy seasons in your life. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's guidance and provision in Exodus for the people of Israel and see kind of how that can relate to us and how we can pull some truths from that and apply it to our lives. So let's pray together and then we'll jump into the book of Exodus. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for that awesome time of worship where we get to just stand in your presence and sing praise and adoration to you. Thank you for all the talented and gifted individuals who who led us from the stage, who sacrificed their time and give their, their efforts and their ability to lead us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it brings to our lives. God, I pray this morning as we open your word that it would speak truth to us. I pray that we would encounter you in a real way today. I pray that we would leave this morning encouraged. I pray we'd leave this morning challenged. And I pray that we would leave this morning changed. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Awesome. So, again, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to be uh, chapters 13 uh, through, through 17 or 18. But we're talking about God's provision and God's guidance But now here's the deal. Here's kind of where I want to kind of set the groundwork. In Exodus, we're looking at God's provision and God's guidance for a specific group of people at a specific time, okay? We're looking at God's guidance for the Israelites way back when, okay? And so as we're looking through this, this is a story of how God took care of them. And so we can look at this story and we can say, man, that is incredible. That is encouraging. We can pull encouragement from that. We can look at that and say, well, if God can do it for them, God can do it for us. That kind of thing, okay? So that's the relationship that we have as Gentiles, right, to this text, to this idea, this, this, this book of Exodus. 
And so in Exodus chapter 13 and 14, many of you guys have probably heard the story of uh, Joseph, right? Joseph's brothers betray him, and then he becomes the king and provides food, and I'm skipping a lot. If you haven't heard the story, you've seen the musical, Joseph and the Tentacle Dreamcoat. Yes, Donny Osmond. Yes, no, maybe so. Or you've seen the movie with Ben Affleck, uh, or you've seen the old one with Charlton Heston. Yes, can I get a couple head nods? We have at least a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about. Okay, cool. So where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 13 is that the, the, the people of Israel have been in captivity to the Egyptians. They've been in slavery to the Egyptians. And Moses stands before Pharaoh and he's like, let my people go. Because in old time movies, for some reason, they all had British accents. These Middle Eastern people are speaking with a British accent. Let my people go. And so Moses stands before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, okay, cool, you guys can go. And so he lets the Egyptians take off. Well, as they're leaving... Pharaoh kind of flips the script, and he's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 he's like, where are they going? No, 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 we need them back. And so he sends the Egyptians in hot pursuit after them. And so the Israelites are like, we're out of here, God is great. And then they look back and like, ah, oh, the Egyptians are chasing us. And so they take off, right? They come to this point where they're trapped between the sea and the Egyptians. The Egyptians are in pursuit, they come to this sea, and they're like, dang, now what? You know, now what are we going to do? And so the people come to Moses like, Moses, what are we going to do? Moses goes to God and he's like, God, what are we going to do? Right? And God tells him, he's like, hey, listen, take that staff that you have, you know, the one that you threw down and became a snake, the one that you touched the Nile River and it turned red, all the plagues and all that stuff. You guys know the story. If you don't, check it out. It's in early Exodus, late Genesis. And um, he says, hold that staff up over the water. And so Moses is like, okay. Holds the staff up over the water and the water parts enough for the people to walk across. And so the Israelites are like up against the sea, the Red Sea, and, 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 and Moses is like, boom. If you've seen the movies, you know, he like holds it up and the wind is blowing in his hair. He looks like, you know, the lead singer of uh, Creed or something. No? Yes? Where he's like, and like, there's wind and he's like, ah. Oh. And that's kind of what I envision. I'm sorry. Um, sorry for that mental picture. <laughs> Scott stabbed with his foot up on a monitor like, Roar! you know, and the, the okay. And so the seas part, and the Israelites, Scott Staff had nothing to do with it, I promise. Um, the, the Israelites cross the Red Sea. The water parts, he walks through. They walk through. They get safe to the other side. Well, the Egyptians are still in hot pursuit, so they're booking in after them. They come in the water, and then God shuts the waters on them. And ultimately, Egyptians, bye-bye, see you later, but not really because you're at the bottom of the ocean or whatever. And the Israelites are rescued through this, right? And so in this, we see God's provision, God's guidance. God's like, hey, guys, I got you, you know? I told you I would, I would release you. I got you out of there. You get to this sea. You start questioning things. And he's like, no, no, I, I got you. And then three days later, right, three days of traveling the other side of the sea, they're traveling through the desert, but they have no water. And so they're like super thirsty. They're parched. They're dehydrated. They're having issues. And so there's no water for them to drink. And then they finally find this water source but the water source is bitter. The scriptures say that they can't drink it because the water is bitter. They're at this place called Mara, and the water's bitter. And so the people come to Moses again. Moses, what are we going to do, man? We're thirsty. We can't drink. So Moses goes to God, and he's like, God, what are we going to do, man? They're thirsty. We're thirsty. We can't drink. God's like, hey, see that wood over there? Go grab that and throw it in the water. So Moses is like, oh, okay. Goes, grabs the wood, throws it in the water, and, and Exodus tells us that the water goes from being bitter to being sweet meaning they can now drink it. And so the people had water. And so they're seeing God provide, and they're seeing God guide them through all of this, right? It, it's this message that's coming through that's saying God takes care of his people. 
God takes care of his people. And so then they continue their journey. They get some water. They get all watered up, whatever, and they take off. But listen, here's what's crazy. It's, the scriptures tell us that after the water at Mara, where they, where they get the sweet water, it says that they began grumbling and complaining about their situation. This, this boggles my mind. It's like they, they come to Moses and they're like, this is terrible, man. Like at least in Egypt we had like beef stew and we could eat and, you know, we, they were whatever, our, our basic needs were met. If I was Moses, I'd be like, did you not see my Scott Stapp moment back there? Like did you not see what God just, like you're for real going to be complaining right now? Seriously? But they come to him and they're like, at least we had food back there. At least we had this. At least we had that and whatever. And they're grumbling and they're complaining. And so Moses goes to God. He's like, I saw what you did, but these people, they're, they're having a hard time, right? So he goes to God and he's like, they're complaining, they're grumbling. They're, they wish they had food and all this. And so God comes back and he's like, okay, I'll continue to provide. I'll continue to, to, to guide you guys through this process. And so this is where we get to the story in Exodus chapter 16 about the manna and the quail. Right? They were complaining because they at least had stew with meat in it back in Egypt. And so God says, okay, tonight there's quail that are going to come across your uh, camp. And I want you guys to get them, you know, kill them, cook them, eat them. And that way you can have you know, some meat. You can feel you know, that I care for you in, in even such a way as this. And he says, also, in the morning you're going to come out and I'm going to provide for you food. And so it's the stuff that, that the scriptures call manna. It was like this white flaky stuff that would come up on the ground every morning. And they could gather up enough that they needed for that day. And it was like this like sweet bread that they could eat. And so they would eat this bread and it would be fulfillment for them for the day. But God said, listen, only take what you need for that day. And people who took extra, they would come to it later that night or later whatever. And they would be just maggots and rotted and disgusting. And so they could only take what they needed for that day. And then that happened every day from there forward. God was consistently providing food for the Israelites in their trek, looking for the promised land. He says, I got you guys. I got you guys. I'm going to take care of you guys. And here's what's absolutely insane to me. Between Exodus 16 and Exodus 17, it says that the people were complaining and grumbling again. Again. I'd be like, guys, Scott's that moment. Guys, the water that was nasty, and then we threw the wood in it, it was good. Guys, the quail, do you remember the Thanksgiving feast we had a few nights back, like for real? Guys, every morning the food that you eat, are you seriously complaining? But they complain and they grumble again because, again, they have no water. They need water. And so God tells Moses, he's like, Moses, listen, gather up your elders, and you guys go ahead of the crew, and I'm going to take you to this place. And so they take them to this place. Um, it's the rock at Horeb. And so God says, listen, I want you to take that staff. That, you know, you threw down for a snake, the staff, you touched the Nile, and it turned red, right? The staff that you held up, and it parted the Red Sea, I want you to take that staff. I want you to go to this rock, and I want you to hit it. And so Moses goes up in front of the elders, and he strikes the rock. And out of the rock, water begins to come out. And it's enough water to take care of the Israelites. And so then they're able to drink from the rock at Horeb. And so this whole sort of section of Scripture... This whole sort of section of scripture is, is super, super interesting because in Exodus, it's all about the history of Israel and a covenant with Israel. It's this idea that God has a covenant, has an agreement with the people of Israel. And so when we read this, we got to read it with that in mind. This covenant that God had with his people was a bilateral, conditional, sort of this like Suzerian treaty type of agreement. It was this idea of if you do this, then I will do this. 
If you live this way, then I will deliver this way. If you consecrate your firstborn, then I will save you. If you follow my rules, laws, and reason, and logic, and all that, then I will show up and take care of you. It was this if-then sort of relationship. If you do this, Israelites, then I will deliver, says God, right? It was very conditional. It was a bilateral sort of fluid thing. And so when they would come complaining to God, God would say, okay, then consecrate your firstborn, then I'll do this for you. Uh, you know, make these sacrifices, go through these rituals, then I'll do this for you. If you do this, then I will do this. And so not, I don't want to steal the thunder too much from next week, because next week we're going to spend some time in uh, a lot of the law and all of that. And so I just want to kind of set the framework for that right here with this, saying that it was an if-then sort of relationship between humanity and God. And what I want to make very, 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 very clear this morning is that it's not that way anymore, okay? We can look at the book of Exodus, and we can see how God interacted with the people of Israel. We can look at the book of Exodus and see how God said, if you do this, then this. If you do that, then this. But here's the deal. It's no longer conditional. It's no longer a bilateral covenant. That's not the way that God interacts with humanity anymore. We no longer seek the law and the rules and the conditions and the Israelite instructions to have a relationship with God. You know what we seek? We seek Jesus. And so things have changed quite a bit between the Israelites and us. We no longer seek that conditional, bilateral, if you do this, then that. If you do this, then that. If you do this, then that. We seek Jesus. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33, this is Jesus talking, and he says, So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Right? Going through the same kind of attitude that the pagans or that the Israelites were having in Exodus. Well, Moses, what are we gonna do here? What are we gonna do there? How's this all gonna work? Blah, blah, blah. We're grumbling and complaining. Blah, 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 blah. He says, Listen, don't worry about what should we eat, what should we drink, what should we wear, for the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Kind of echoes a little bit what Rich was saying last week. God knows that you need that stuff. God knows you have basic needs. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He says, seek Jesus first. Seek Jesus. That's where we go when we have these needs. That's where we go when we need guidance and provision. He says, seek Jesus. We no longer complain to Moses, and then Moses goes to God, and then God does this supernatural thing, and we're all like, ooh, ah. That'll last us for three weeks until we need something else. And then we'll start complaining and grumbling. No, no, no. He says, guys, that's not the way it works anymore. We seek Jesus. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And all that other stuff will work itself out. Because God knows what you need. God knows where you're at. God knows your struggles. God knows what you got going on. But he says, seek Jesus first. And that stuff will work itself out. There's this dude named Paul who was a uh, persecutor of the church. When I'm killing Christians, that was like his thing. He was like, anti-Jesus. I'm going to kill everybody who even thinks about Jesus, right? Goes after him hard. He encounters Jesus. And when he does, it changes everything about him. He becomes this church planner, this apostle, this guy who's responsible for writing like nearly half of our New Testament that we have in our Bibles. And so Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Our guidance and our provision comes from Jesus. And so we need to recognize that and realize that and wrap our heads around that this morning. We spend time looking back at the stories of Israel in the Old Testament, in Genesis and Exodus and 
Leviticus and all that stuff, we, we go back and we look at the stories of Israel as an encouragement. We look at it and we say, you know, if God can do that for them, God can do that for me. It works different. It looks different. It happens a little differently, you know. But, but if God can do that for them, God can do that for me. God rescued Israel from the Egyptian captivity. God split the Red Sea to deliver them from the Egyptian pursuit in a divine act of power and provision. God turned the bitter water into sweet water. God brought quail for encouragement. God brought manna for sustainment. God brought water from a rock. And if God can provide and guide the Israelites, God can guide and provide in your life just the same. God can provide and guide in your life just the same. And for most of you, I don't know all of you, but for most of you, it's probably not Egyptian captivity that you're fighting against, right? Maybe some of you, I don't know. But it's probably not Egyptian captivity, right? It's probably not dehydration because you're trekking through the desert with no water. It's probably not starvation from your journey, you know? It's probably not the same things that the Israelites were facing, but maybe it is relational guidance and provision that you need. Maybe it's physical guidance and provision that you need. Maybe it's spiritual guidance and provision that you need. Maybe it's emotional guidance and provision that you need. Maybe it's the guidance, some guidance and provision in your family. Maybe it's guidance and provision with your kids that you can't get them on the same page and you're struggling and you're praying and you're seeking God. Maybe it's guidance and provision in your workplace. Maybe it's guidance and provision in your career and some decisions that you have coming up. And maybe it's guidance and provision in the total trajectory of your life. What is God telling in his story and where do I fit? How does that all work and come together? Whatever it is in your life and in your story, I want to challenge you this morning to seek Jesus. Don't look to yourself to try to figure that stuff out. I want to challenge and encourage you to seek Jesus for guidance and provision. God provided for the Israelites through a covenant relationship. But God wants to provide for you through a relationship with Jesus. Do you hear that this morning? It's so important. It's so powerful. And I know we love to quote Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. You know? I just quoted that without any context and just threw it in there. Philippians 4, 19, that said, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. How many times have you heard that verse manipulated? How many times have you heard that verse taken out of context? How many times have you heard that verse used and say, See, God wants to give you everything you need, everything you want, everything your heart desires. God wants to give it to you. Guys, let me give a little context to this just, just for, for a minute. Um, we love to quote Philippians 4, 19, but when we do that, it makes God seem like a personal genie. And that's not the case. So I don't want you to get it twisted and think, oh, this guy's saying on stage right now that if I believe in Jesus, my life is going to be rainbows and unicorns and butterflies. I'm into that. Where do I sign up? Right? That's, that's, that's not the case. That's not the case because check out what Paul says right before that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I have to read in this giant Bible because the, my dogs ate the book of Philippians out of my regular Bible. And so... This was my mom's Bible, and so it's got, like, giant print because she was kind of blind. And so, uh, you know, 
I just feel really awkward reading it because it's so, like I'm going to like hit you with it. Like, oh, believe in Jesus. I don't know. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, it says this. This is Paul talking again. Okay, this is before he says, you know, uh, the, the, the infamous verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Oh, you're going to be so blessed and highly favored and all that bull crap. He says this. I am not saying this because I'm in need. He's writing the church in Philippi, and he's saying, listen, guys, he's thanking them. He's saying, guys, you have taken care of me. You've invested in me. You've taken care of me while I, I did ministry, and I appreciate that. And so he's writing to them, and he says, I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You guys hear that? He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then another verse that's taken out of context all the time. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Right? So Paul's setting the context here for saying, God's going to provide. God's going to take care of us. But listen, these two passages, he says, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances, and I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know what those are? Those are phrases from the struggle. You wouldn't say those if you're high on the hog. That's the stuff you say when it's hard. That's the stuff you say when it's difficult. Those are phrases from the struggle. So just because you seek Jesus, it doesn't mean that it's going to be rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies, Right? We're walking on sunshine, walking on clouds now. All my problems disappeared. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to be richer than my neighbor. It's not, that, that, that's not what, what we're saying here. What we're saying here is that when things do get tough, because they will get tough, God does want to guide. God does want to provide, but you have to seek Jesus first. You have to put him first in the decision-making process. And what this does, what this does is it shifts our perspective. That's what Paul's talking about in Philippians chapter 11 verse, or chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. He's saying, yeah, my perspective has been shifted. I've had plenty, and I've had nothing. In all of this, I've found that I can do it all through Jesus. I can make it through the plenty. I can make it through the nothing through Jesus. And then that's when he said, my God wants to give you, you know, bless you and all that kind of stuff in, in 19. It's with that context. And so this morning... Wherever it is that you're looking for guidance and provision from Jesus, we need to shift our perspective to Jesus for that. And realize that just because I'm praying and just because I'm seeking God doesn't mean that everything is going to go away and everything's going to be beautiful and wonderful and pretty, but it is going to shift our perspective and say, even here, Jesus. If I'm here, Jesus. If I'm here, Jesus. But even down here, still Jesus. Does that make sense? And so that's super important for us to kind of grasp this morning. And so as the band comes up, they're, they're going to lead us in two more songs this morning. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond to God. Because I feel like many of us are at different places in our faith journey. We're at different places in our relationship with God. But I believe all of us could, could stand to spend a little time with him this morning. Maybe some of you in here this morning, you need to just thank God for the guidance and provision that he's given you. Maybe you just need to pause for a second and say, whoa, man, I have seen some things, and God has gotten me through. I can look back and I can see where he did it here. I can look back and see where he did it there. I can look back to yesterday or this morning where he did it there. And maybe you just need to spend the next few moments being thankful, coming to God in gratitude, saying, God, thank you for taking care of me.
thank you for seeing me through. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you for providing for me. I see you did it for Israel, and I know you've done it for me. Thank you. Some of us in here this morning, maybe you need to seek some guidance and provision from God. Maybe you've been trying to do it yourself. Do it in your own power. Do it in, you know, your own intellect, your own understanding, your own work ethic, your own ability. And you're just consistently falling short. So maybe you need to spend the next couple of minutes seeking God's guidance, seeking His provision, saying, God, I need you. I need you. Just like you did for the Israelites. Just like you've done for me in the past. I've lost focus. I've lost sight of where you want to go and what you want to do. God, please help me. God, guide me. God, I need you to provide for me. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's our work situation. Maybe it's a decision we have to make. Maybe it's just life in general. God, I need your guidance. I need your provision. But I think all of us have something that we can talk to God about this morning. All of us can be encouraged by God and the Messiah who guides and provides. Let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.